Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. He's Jihadi White. Jihadi, this is the final day. We'll have 17 people on the Wizards roster. We're going to get down to the opening group, and uh, basketball kicks off in a couple days here, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. We've waited a long time for this. Oh, it's official like a referee whistle and toilet tissue. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's getting exciting. This is the time you look for. I think this was a good preseason, though. This uh, was one of the most exciting preseason it seemed like that i've seen for a while but um ready to get the ball rolling to the season this is the one that i think wizards fans had wanted uh as a whole for you know the last couple off seasons so i'm I'm glad they made the uh the moves that they did and be interested to see where they go from here uh first couple things we probably want to talk about uh for anyone catching this right now we're obviously going live on twitter and youtube at the moment and Wizards have not narrowed their final roster down to their final 15 yet. So if that happens during the podcast, we'll talk about it. And I'm sure it'll happen the minute we stop recording or something. So if so, we'll come, we'll, we'll jump back on or, or I'll jump back on and, and give you a little breakdown of who gets dropped and we'll tack it on to the audio version of the podcast. So if you're catching it uh, after the fact, you'll, you'll hear that tacked on to the end here for you, but we'll see what we can do. Maybe we'll get lucky. It seems like the Wizards are the only team that hasn't kind of narrowed their final roster down yet. So figures they'll uh, they'll string us out to the last possible minute. Before we get going, as always, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Everything. They're all delicious. And Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, all that good stuff. No more NBA preseason, but regular NBA games if you want. And BetOnline can be the fastest and easiest way to place all your wagers, including live betting, your favorite casino and card games. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Jody, I think the big one we got to start with here is the Denny Avdia extension. It's four years, $55 million. And as multiple people on uh, Wizards Twitter have pointed out, that this is the first time they have extended uh, draft pick uh, before restric- restricted free agency since 2015. So it's the first time since Bradley Beal they have given an extension to one of the guys they've drafted. That's kind of crazy just to think about. And uh, obviously they did it for Beal, they did it for Porter, and those were two guys drafted in the top five. So um, actually they did Porter maybe hit restricted free agency, so he doesn't even count. But uh, this is wild. So I think. Uh, this was good maybe just to get that done, but I hope that's not the main reason they chose to do this is just to, to break that streak. I don't know. I think, yeah, yeah. It's good to see that they did it and it's good to see. It's always good to see a player get an extension, especially a guy like Denny who's put in the work and, you know, earned it and, and, and not a super top guy. Usually you see a super top guy get, get that, not a more of a mid tier type player. Mm-hmm. So that was good to see. You know, I'm always happy to see a, a player get paid. But um, to me, it makes sense because with the unit they have, they have to have somebody to stretch the floor now that Bill's gone. You, you, the only person you have right now, the option you have is Denny. Uh, I, I would very much push back on that one. I think Denny's like the worst three-point shooter on the well, team. Uh, unless, so, unless these off-season strides have really worked out for you. I, I disagree. Okay. You think you, you think what can the- shoot the three. He can shoot it well. He okay. hasn't shot well. Okay. You're right? buying but, form but and, and... 29% last year? Yeah, something like right? that. We, if we need to get him. He has to get about what? Mid-30s? Minimum, yeah. And if, if he can get to the mid thirties, top thirties, he can really you feel open up the floor for us. I got you. So that, that last preseason game would would indicate you're right. If we buy anything, uh, he was definitely looking a lot more confident. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, 
Denny is a effective player um, all around, but in the end of the day, we're going to need him to put up put up some shots behind the, behind the arc. Yeah, I agree. So I feel like that's what we're paying for more than anything. Yeah, he can't he can't be timid. Like we saw a little bit of timidity in the last couple of years, and and now it's like uh, th- those days are behind you. You can't be afraid about Beal or Porzingis, you know, being mad at you for shooting. Like, let right. him fly and see if he can be better. I, he he has to let him fly and just get and and let him fly with a, a more efficiency. Yeah, and, and that's what that's what we're hoping for, you know. And he he's an effective player. He's been in in the starting unit or close around the starting unit throughout these, you know, since he's been here, yeah. um, he, and he, he's earned his way. He's earned what he's getting, but I think we're also paying, like we said, like you said, we're paying for the future. Yeah. We can't, one thing we can't afford to do is let him go right now. It, I think that's the biggest point, right? Like, is it, I don't know how much he would net you in a trade. Like we saw Rui get three second round picks last year. I'd rather have Denny than than whatever those second round picks are probably going to turn into. And at least under this deal, he's like super tradable moving forward. So at least you don't, you know, lose the asset, as they say. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's a good look. Um, does it really change? Does it really change things uh, for the future, a trajectory of the future just with that move? No, but also... Do you know what Denny? Do you what, would you possibly get a better Denny than last year? I would hope. So. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That that deal becomes really team friendly really quickly if you get exactly what you're expecting from him shooting wise. Now all of a sudden, it unlocks all the other stuff he does. It makes him more playable. To, you know, you can keep him out there for the defense and keeps the defense honest. Like that's that's what they want to see. And I, I would imagine if they're making this deal right now. The Wizards didn't have to do this, so I think they must be confident that they've seen the exact things you're talking about. So I think um, odds are you're probably going to be on the right end of history with, hey, we're going to see a better offensive Denny this year. And We have to. So what's the what's pretty much the the theory behind the, the offense this year, right? The, the main theory is let it fly. Yeah, should be. Right. You're going to have to have a Denny there to let it fly because the only that's the only way you're going to get a Kuzma or you're going to get a Jordan Poole off right now. Mm-hmm. But they're going to just kind of, you know, they're going to be forcing things a little bit. You know, I saw, yet in a, to me, in the Raptors game, it looked like mm-hmm. Poole was forcing everything. Yeah, right? But now you have a Kuzma out there who can stretch the floor that you have to respect. You have a Denny that you have to respect, right? And then you also have Pool that you have to respect. You know, if Denny can really, really get his shooting percentage up to high 30s, mid-30s, that opens everything up. Yeah. Yeah, now we're cooking with gas. I mean, I think that's that's what you need to see. Now we're cooking. Yeah, right. Cooking with something. (laughs) Cooking. I mean, the stove out. Yeah, exactly. Uh Along those lines, I think he's a willing passer. He's not a ball stopper. That helps you from an offensive perspective, to your point. And Josh Robbins, the athletic, uh, had this tweet the other day that said, when the coaches talk about, quote, playing with pace, they don't mean the pace statistics slash a large number of possessions or even scoring a lot on the break. They mean getting into their offense quickly so they'll have more time to run their offense and find good shots. And, and I think Denny is someone who can – can help you do that. And especially if he can shoot and now he can attack and uh, you attack closeouts a little bit more. Like I think that would help their offense um, considerably with, with him out there. So we'll, right. we'll what you see is what I'm saying, what, what Wes is running right now is a lot of a, a top, a, a stagger screen up top, right? Cause he wants everything to really come right off the top of that key. Yeah. Stagger, stagger screen up top first, and then a flare screen on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. That fits Denny's style perfectly where you can just let it go. Yeah. Now it also helps out to where you can get guys going downhill. Yeah, he's gonna get some open looks. I mean, and and hopefully he's got the confidence to just sit there and, and knock them down. And I don't know. I, it's just I haven't seen it yet, and I'm just perpetually a skeptic because that's I think what Wizards fandom has done to me for you know, the last 30 years, but I, I would very much love for that to be the case. He worked with a shooting coach all off season. So yeah, to, to your point, like if, 
if we get the shooting, this deal looks really good really quickly. And it looks good now. So I, I have no problem with that. I did another podcast on uh, with the Hardwood Knox guys earlier in the offseason, and they asked what I thought of a Denny extension. And I said, I thought the team would give him like 12 a year. And if that didn't work for him, he'd probably move on. This is like 13 and a half, 14-ish. So not really too far off, but a little higher than I thought they would go. But maybe they're meeting him in the middle. I got to imagine he was, you know, if you're him, you want to bet on yourself. So I'm surprised he kind of took this, to be honest. So if it didn't mean less than this, I don't think he would have taken it. So this was probably what it took to get a deal done. And that's better for both sides, I think, in the long run. I'm not I'm not so surprised he took it. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know how big the market is for him. Yeah. More than how much of a need he is for this particular team. I, his right? value here is greater than other teams. Right. right? I so, so I think it's like you said, value here is greater than his value out in the market. I'm with so, you. So, you know, you were pretty much spot on, you know, about the extension that he may get and what he may the amount he may get. And it, and it's and I, I'm sure some people think, wow, that's pretty high. Yeah. But you under it's all We're about being in the right place and the right place that has the value you need. Yeah. And I think he's in the perfect position because I don't think maybe another team he may not have have gotten this as high offer as he did. I, I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast the other day, and he had Bobby Marks on, and and they were talking about. Uh, Sadiq Bay for the Hawks getting in the ballpark or, or wanting in the ballpark of 18 to 20 million per year. And Bay's been really good as a shooter uh, and not so good as a defender. So kind of the inverse of Denny to this point. And I, I don't think he's six or seven million dollars a year better than Denny is. So uh, if, if yeah. that's what he's looking for, this is a pretty good deal. And Indiana just gave Aaron Neesmith uh, three years, 33 million. So 11 a year. I okay. think Denny's largely been a better player than he has. So, uh, I mean, I think this is this is the market, right? Like, I don't think they're doing anything stupid or rash here. And um, no no issues with what the front office did here. I trust them. Yeah, I have no issues with it either. I have no issues with it at all. You know, Denny yeah. has been – he has had a lot of floor time. Uh, he has been a factor for the Wizards for, what, the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ben Becker also tweeted this out, said he was curious to see when the last Wizards first uh, rounder outside the top five signed a second contract year, and there had never been one. Uh, Franchise-wise, Harvey Grant taken 12th by the Bullets in 1988, but he couldn't verify the contract, uh, got a raise in his fourth year. So so that's crazy. So unless you were, like, to your point, Johnny, originally, if you weren't a top five pick here, uh, you weren't getting one. So it's nice to see kind of that, that role player, you know, non-star guy stick around and maybe that's better for them long-term too. And people will be more excited about being drafted here if they think they, they might actually stick around long-term. Yeah. And then me with the, with the new regime there, I'm more curious about what their thoughts of it was. Yeah. Right. I would really love to know, you know, I, I have my ideas and, you know, I, like I just explained, um, but you know, with them just coming in, you know, they really had to go back and look at some, some, yeah, Stats and figures, you know, because you, no matter what they say, they don't know all the players, right. right? So they had to go back and look at some stats and figure to see, you know, how valuable he was to the team. And obviously, they saw the value mm-hmm. yep. long term because that's something you you're looking at when you do something that early. You're thinking long term. Uh, in the chat, James Harper asked, how soon can they trade the deal if needed? Yeah, I believe he has to make his way through the entire season this year to be eligible for a trade. And then it never makes no sense asked, uh, does Jahadi think Denny's shot problems are confidence-based or mechanics-based? Confidence completely. Okay. Confidence-based because you've seen Denny go on, get on fire, right? So a lot of times confidence-based um, – can disrupt your mechanics. Mm-hmm. And when it's confidence, you can't figure out the mechanics. Yeah. Right? And then, then you go on a, a long shooting streak of trying to get the confidence back. So once the confidence comes back, then now you say, oh, okay, this is off. That's off. Mm-hmm. Now, if you completely mechanics-based, right, 
And if you're a good shooter and you go off a bad streak because of mechanics, you can fix that faster. Yeah. Right. So that's why I say it's confidence based because it's it, it's a it's longer streaks of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he goes cold for for pretty right. good stretches of time. Yeah. Uh, the other question, I guess, is the structure of the deal. And we haven't seen that yet. Uh, but a typical escalation, he would go from somewhere like 12 to 15 over the course of the deal. The Kuzma deal was great because it gets lesser over time. Like the money goes down. If they pulled that off with Denny again, too, by, you know, by the year four of this, they're actually giving him less money as the cap goes up. That would be absolute masterclass stuff. So I'm very interested to see uh, what that looks like, or even if it's just, sort of the same amount every year from from now till the end that would that would be great also but the wizards should have about a little less than 100 million dollars in guaranteed contracts next year which makes them one of the few teams to actually have salary cap space going into next offseason so that'll be interesting too just to see you know what they try to do with that and uh yeah we get another center or something like that i know that's something that fans are looking forward to right now well i, I think right now the to me the best strategy for any players we get or any new players, any players that we we have to pay is front load the deal. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, right. do it now. Yeah. And so, like you said, it, them front loading Kuzma deal was really good. You know, it helps it helps free up a lot of space toward the end. If they can do that with Denny, like you said as well, you know, because and it, we all have eyes. <laughs> we need some more players. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, this is hopefully not a finished product. This can't. Well, obviously it's not. So front loading those deals would be perfect. Yep. And that may be why they move so early on them. Yeah, I think so. Right. Right. So to free up that space toward, you know, another year or so. Yeah. If, if you wait until free agency and he has the year he, you know, a lot of fans think he could potentially have, like he's going to make a lot more than 14 million next year. So. Oh. Uh, worst case scenario, he doesn't show improvement and it's about market value. Best case scenario, he gets a lot better and you got a good deal in ahead of time. So, uh, this is a no well, he, situation. He, he, I think he has much more freedom. Yeah. And now you don't, he doesn't have to worry about confidence. Right. Right. I mean, the, yeah. the, the contract says it all. You don't have to worry about confidence. Here it is. Here's your confidence. Right. So, yeah, it's true. So, I think he has more freedom, you know, and, and he's going to let me. He didn't look bad against Toronto. It, the, the only negative that this is coming off the heels of him sort of demonstratively showing frustration at Jordan Poole shooting a ball in that Hornets game and not uh, giving him the ball. You've got Jordan Poole on a heater and you've got Denny throwing his hands up that, you know, he's not yeah. receiving the ball, sort of open on the wing. Uh, he was pretty open. Yeah. Double team, <laughs> but he made it. He made it. Uh, uh, yeah, you got to make that if you're him, but I, you I don't know. Make it. And then, and then, and then you have to understand that Jordan Poole, he's, he's now in the face of the franchise. Right. right? But if Jordan Poole has to understand that he's there to also win some games. So he's going to need his teammates. Teammates right? daring him to pass the same way they're daring Denny to shoot. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I think it's hard to watch Jordan Poole sometime overheat check. <laughs> yeah. Right? He's overheat checking sometime. Yeah. And to me, especially in preseason, that's the time you really get your teammates involved. Right. Yeah. Right? Um, and get them on your side. you got to play a little bit of politics. And Jordan – Right, you got to play a little bit of politics. Also, you got to let set the rules that hey, I'm the man. Right, I am gonna put it up, but I'm also here for my teammates and here to win. And yeah, that, I think that might have been the time to get any support. Also, I don't think he's quite a point guard. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this is the year to find out if he is or isn't at least, and. They asked Wes Unseld about this, and he said, a lot of our flow offense has been positionless, and that's been intentional. Getting guys more comfortable being in different spots is going to benefit us in the long run. I totally agree with that. Like, I have not seen um, a lot from Poole to show me that he could be a full-time NBA point guard, 
but let's find out. Prove us all wrong or prove us all right. I mean, I think this is the this is the year to figure that out. And, but it's going to take some figuring out. Yeah, I haven't seen enough of Pool that shows me he is a point guard. And I have seen some mistakes. I see, you know, we, we we see a lot of turnovers when he tries to get a pass somewhere. He's not naturally a point guard. Right. I think that's the next level. They have to now. He he's gonna put up twenty. Yeah. But you also, we I need ten assists. Yeah. I need ten assists. I need ten efficient assists. Right. Yeah. To me, that gets pulled to the next level to where. Now he's amongst the ranks of the good point guards, good scoring point guards. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's a lot. It looks like he's just, it's a lot of forces. And, you know, that as a Wizards fan, I'm sure they're looking like, okay, here we go again with this. Right. So we don't want that. And he does have weapons on the floor. Now with Kuzma out against Toronto, it, it, it makes Poole look like he struggles more. Yeah, yeah, right. There's nobody to take that attention away. There's nobody to take, yeah, take that heat off of. Him. Yeah, exactly. There was some comparison in the offseason here to between uh, Jordan Poole and the situation he was in and uh, James Harden when he first got traded to Houston. And I don't want to see Poole comped to prime James Harden for a bunch of reasons, but that first couple years that Poole was, or that Harden was in Houston and they used him as like super point guard James Harden, like, they pushed everything. He shared the ball. And then because he was a willing passer, he got the ball back and still scored 20 a game. But he had like 20 and 10 or 20 and 11 or whatever it was. Like, that'd be great. I mean, I'm, I don't know that he can get there. But again, like, let's. this is the year to find out literally what everybody can and can't do. Right. And, and Poole's going to press first. First thing he's going to do is he's going to press shots up, right? That's just naturally him, right? We saw it at Golden State. Difference at Golden State was until the playoffs is you had so many weapons that it was just you had a a wide open river, you know, mm-hmm. like part in the Red Sea. And you know, so and that's why he looked so effective. And then also you really didn't know who he was and he, he kind of just made a name for himself. And you say, okay, he efficient. Here he's now have to earn everything he's getting down here, especially depending on what team he's he's playing against. Yeah. With New York, it seemed like it was wide open. Mm-hmm. When you're playing against those big boys at Toronto, that's, that's <laughs> across the border. You can have three or four across the border, all the same size, and all switch positions. They can move their feet, and they can protect the basket. Yeah. Then you saw, you saw it wasn't so effective. Mm-hmm. Now, when that happens, do you distribute? Yeah. Right? And right now, it's not, he's not looking, okay, let me still get mine. I got to start distributing because the more I distribute, the more I'm able to now be able to score against these type of teams like a Toronto. Mm-hmm. And he can develop counters over the course of the year based on the way guys guard him and the way he scouted. Uh, this is the first time that I think he's ever going to be the main scout for every other opposing defense. So so that's a lot. Right. And to your point, especially with Kuzma out, I mean, that, that was an easy game plan for Toronto is just, Let's cut this guy off every time. Say, and let, else beat us. let everybody beat us. Yeah. Everybody else beat us. And Denny helped with that. I mean, he was probably he the, the most productive offensive guy uh, there. So you need that from him more consistently. And we need we need Kispert out there more. Yeah. What is he like? That was not a great preseason look from him uh, so far. But is in it, if Denny has Kispert's energy. You know, they, they're not too much different to me. If they were one player, we'd be in really good shape. Yeah. But Kispert, it just, he moves that floor. He, he cuts, he slashes. He does a lot of yeah. uh, little small things on offense, right? And he's actually a, a effective, to me, a little more effective defensive player. Because right now we don't, our defensive play, presence it's little to none, almost non-existent. I think Denny is the much better defender of the two. You think I so? Ah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I, you know what? I I disagree. Okay. I, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Because Kispert is more physical. 
I'm I'm not with you on this one, partner. I have not seen really? anything from Corey Kispert defensively that gives me much hope for the future. Yeah, I just feel like he's more physical. Uh, and, yeah. and you know, I may be wrong, but I'm going off just my evaluation. Sure. I just feel like he's more physical and he's more active on defense. Yeah, he tries. I mean, the effort is there. He may be in the right position, yeah. but he's not stopping anybody. Yeah, he's he's not a great athlete. I think Denny does better with the bigger guys. It, it's the quicker, littler guys. I feel like he has the harder time kind of cutting off. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Denny's one of the better defenders on the team by a pretty good margin. There you go. I, I think I'm, not, I'm not feeling Kispert so far. Again, hope to be wrong here. I hope I see a lot this year where I'm like, okay, Corey, let's go. But I think right now the best defense we got is a rookie veteran. <laughs> yes. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Uh, it's hard to argue with what he looked like in the preseason. And yeah, the rookie vet. I think Denny uh, probably slots in the starting lineup, which means Koulibaly comes off the bench. And you think so? That would be my guess. I think uh, Wes made some comment during the preseason about we hadn't seen his starting five yet, and that was before Denny came back from injury. So that that could have changed based on what they saw over the course of the preseason. I think with this deal, they're probably signaling that they're going to give him some some opportunities to start here too. And they've also made comments about bringing Koulibaly around slowly. So right. again, I would like to see them both start at this point. And just, that's probably to me, one of the best defensive groups you could have, but to me, I mean, I, I kind of like the, you only don't get so much of a good starting lineup. Yeah. Right. You got to go with what you have the best one out there. Sure. Who are you taking? Okay. So, to me, I'm thinking, okay, Gafford, Kuzma, Poole, yep. Denny. And Tyus. Yeah, Those Tyus. Time. Yep. yeah, so it's going to have to be between those two. And in the end of the day, you got to have the biggest offensive threat. Denny's a much bigger offensive threat. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, at least right now. I mean, uh the, the problem is just, and this is why I think you need what? to. What? At the same time? I don't mean to cut you off. No, please. You're going to get more, you're going to get more rebounding presence out of Koulibaly. I, he looked really great on, on, on that end and giving you all the hustle stuff. He's longer. He's more athletic. I mean, that, I, that's why I kind of like starting them both together is because you got killed on the board so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Tyus is, like a solid player, but him and pool together is just going to get cooked all year. I, I still keep coming back to that is I don't, I'm not going to enjoy watching that backcourt guard people all season. I know that, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Where, I, I don't see them going away from Jones either though. So right. Well, right. Do you see them going away from Gaffer? That's kind of the question. I, I mean, he has not shown much thus far, uh, I think, uh, to impress anybody. And it's all the stuff you said all last season seems to have been magnified for him so far this playoff r- or this preseason run. And uh, you just you need more from him, like fundamentally need more. And I, somebody was tweeting around some statistic the other day about the percent, percentage of, of defensive rebounds, you know, that they collect when he's on the floor is the highest for the Wizards. And I. Like I just see them get crushed on the boards when he's not alone big out there. You have to use that in the contract negotiation. I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah, exactly. It'll be printed out in large font. And in the end of the day, that's that's our biggest issue is rebounding. Yeah. Right. Rebounding and and he he has to understand his package isn't that big, right? His his offensive package isn't. I mean, what do you what are you getting out of him? Right. Put back dunks and some transition lobs, maybe. That's it. You're not getting protect rim protection. Not not like you did when he first got traded here. What, not getting rim protection. Games, he was a great rim protector. I don't know what happened. He has to realize that this is this this is how you sustain in the league. Yeah. Right. If you don't do those small things that you expect to do for for the Wizards, this team. Right at your size, yeah, it's gonna be hard for you to stay and stick around on any team. It's true. So yeah. it's tough for me to say, oh, yeah, maybe maybe Koulibaly is a small. He's not really a smaller frame. He height wise, he's shorter. 
but he's more effective. He's, it's, he all, it seems like he's a veteran out there already. He plays like a vet, not, not afraid to guard anyone, not afraid to contest any shot, even going to the rim. He may give, he may just give you more. I kind of like the Mike Muscala starter. I'll be honest. I think I took some shit for that the other day, but he's not that much worse defensively at this point. He at least boxes dudes out all the way and he shoots. If you're not going to guard anybody, at least you can't run the floor. Huh? The, the, our, our offense is getting up and down. I think Muscala has been fine getting up and down the floor. It's Gallinari. the one that looks slow as shit. Muscala mm. uh, I mean, the game he went five for five from three. It was, yeah, he's he was the floor. He was shooting the shit out of it, but I also thought he was like running the break pretty well with them too. Now, to your point, he's older. Does he do that for the course of a whole season? Uh, you know, we'll see what that that looks like. So, yeah, I don't see Gaffer lasting um, past early early twenty five percent in the season. Period on the roster or as the starter? As the starter. Yeah. I- they just don't have like a lot of competition for him. And and that was the thing Wizards fans clamored for was the guy from the G League team they had last year, Jay Huff, that was G League Defensive Player of the Year. He was a 26-year-old, you know, more traditional big. So they let him let him go in free agency. And he was really effective. He was a good rim protector. He shoots the, the ball pretty well. And he's seven feet tall. Like they could use a shit out of him right now. And and they weren't willing to keep him around because he was too old to be in their long-term plans or something. Uh, that one has not aged well so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, not too many out there. Right. First of all, not too many big guys out there. And it's not many, you know, so ever since the game changes, just you're not looking for a traditional big, but then also you're looking for somebody who can do traditional big things. So that's, just tough to find these days. It never you makes no sense. It never makes no sense. Says that Tyus Jones has out rebounded Gaffer in every preseason game so far this year. I did not notice that, but uh, you know, obviously minutes per game and things like that factor in. But I bet they're probably pretty close. That's a tough stat. I mean, I don't know. It's like the Charles Barkley quote. Like, what's Gafford averaging? What about? Four, five, game four. It, it must be something like that. I can't imagine Jones got much higher than that. So you don't have a you don't have a big job. I mean, he has a big job. He's in the NBA, sure. but he doesn't have a lot. He doesn't have a job where he has to. They're looking for him to be a primary scorer, right? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's a straightforward job, at least. Yeah, right. Play defense. Yep. Catch they run defense. the first play for you. Every game. I don't need to see him post up ever again. He has no moves. He has no counters. I, I mean, I'm six feet tall, and I promise you that my post game is more developed than Daniel Gafford's at this point. Like, at least there's going to be, like, a baseline spin or something or a little jump hook. Like, I, I don't understand how you can yeah, be like, that big and never learn any of those things. I, it's kind of crazy. If you, I mean, right. And that's, and that's, to me, that's okay in today's game. But if you this limited, you gotta add something you gotta do something else i mean you gotta do all the other stuff really well and just yeah. i don't know i feel bad shitting on on gafford every time but it, it's i do it's, too man but it's hard to watch yeah it's not it's not it's, and, and if 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 i didn't feel his capabilities were better yeah for sure then i'd be like okay just not that guy right but you have to shit on him a lot because you like you see it I see your potential. I see what your capabilities could be. I don't know if you put the work in. We both feel like I think that he is underachieving from what we think he can do. And and that's and that's why we're we're going in on him the way we are. Because you could get more. You should get more. You should get more. Uh, and we expect more. Kind of related to this, um, me weighing in on an NBA player underachieving. Um, Kenyon Martin Sr. had some thoughts. His quote today was, how do people that's never played on their high school basketball team know so much about basketball? Asking for a friend. As a person who is a very marginal basketball player myself, uh, I obviously have some thoughts on this. But Johnny, I would love your perspective on on non-players and their ability to talk about the game at a high level. So are there non-players or just not? Good players. See what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I feel you. So, I, I, not good players, I think, is how I, I took they, it. Uh, they, people who love the game. It's a lot of people in this world who love the game yeah. who can't stay away from the court. They're just not good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I think I fall into the not good category. <laughs> so in that case, they know they know from their perspective what they see. They know from their perspective what they know as far as okay. You you do a move right. You go. You got a game later on the day, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The move and the things you envision that you could do, that you're going to do, when you try to pull that off, yeah, it's nowhere near how it was in your mind, right? That's, that's pretty accurate. But yeah. In your mind, it made sense. Same thing with these people. In their mind, they know what they're seeing. Yeah, what it should look like. What it should look like. So that's their opinion based on what that move that you tried, you about to make, what you know it should look like. But when you try it, you have two left feet and it looked terrible and did, couldn't pull it off. Yep. Well, you know, you know what you were trying to do. You know how you were trying to pull it off. So I think from that perspective, people who are not good at basketball still can understand the game. Yeah, for sure. What Kenyon what Kenyon Martin is saying is how can you give me an opinion on a game from somebody who looking at it from the inside mm-hmm. out instead of the outside in? Because yeah. from the inside out, I know every aspect. I know I know what the coaches were looking for in that particular time. I know what the player did wrong. I know all of his options, right? So he's saying from how you know the game based on my inside out knowledge and my IQ mm-hmm. and how I break down the game as a science because I'm a player. Don't talk to me. And, and by the way, I buy that. Like, I, I think that's a totally reasonable thing to do. And I've talked to coaches about this too, where I think one thing's happening on a court and they'll tell me, no, 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 that was not that guy's responsibility. You blamed him, but what we would have been doing here is actually he's probably supposed to funnel this guy toward the toward the center. Like I'm like, oh, okay. So you wanted him to get beat. I'm like, well, we're actually intentionally steering him a direction we don't think he's he pushing him in a certain direction. Right. Right. Okay. So you're leaving it open. Yeah. You lead you're leading him into another defender. Right. Yep. Right. So you push like most most coaches, some coaches push middle. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, oh, well, the guy got beat middle. No, the guy was pushing middle. And some coaches push baseline. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're pushing him into a double team. So now he had less options. Oh, yeah, that, you're right. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that, like I, I totally get that I could not insightfully tell you the same way you could look and see this. But I also just don't buy that because you didn't play at the, the high level, you can't learn those things. Like to me, if it's just the best player knows the most about the game, why was Magic Johnson a shit general manager? Why have MJ's teams not won anything in Charlotte? I mean, like if if your ability to play is directly correlated with your your ability to talk the game, um, why don't those guys have more success? I, I just don't think it's a it's a direct. That's a good question. That's a question in my opinion. I don't know if that's always based on their success. Yeah, you know, I think some of it the options, and then I know. You know, some of them, a lot of them did, some of them did make some bad mistakes of choosing, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, to me, it always come down to st- statistics and the eye test. Yeah, the blend right? of the two, right? Right. And most players would rather go off the eye test. Yep. Right? Which is, you know, choose, if you choose a player, you usually choose them off, choose them off the eye test, right? Mm-hmm. And then most GMs based everything more off of numbers. Yeah. Right. So, and numbers are more factual. I may be an eye test guy. Sure. Still, just because playing basketball, right? Right. But one thing I can say is consecutive numbers, numbers consecutively. Is more of a bigger, a better bet. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, you're right, right? You know, and like I told you, like I said, you know, it's not knowing the game. It's 
knowing certain ad, different aspects of the game, right? So, in the end of the day, I hate to say it, but no, no matter how when you debating against an athlete, it, it, just like me and you debate about certain players and defense wise, and you know, and we are both, you know, disagreeing against agree because we stick to our guns. Yeah, sure. But at the end of the day, you know, it's just seeing things in a different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I may be looking at this, and most players, this is what most players do. We we judge a player on how would they play against me personally. Bingo. I've heard that a lot of times. Is this, I would not have liked to cover that guy, or I think he would have locked me down. So I think, you know, he's the tougher matchup or whatever. I, I well, that's what my opinion is off my game personally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Makes sense. Right. And so most people who don't put, haven't played in the NBA don't use that perspective at all. Mm-hmm. So now sometimes it's better because they're looking at it more on a broad angle, a broad situation. Right. So that that's that's pretty much how it goes. And I'm going off of how this guy play me personally, because I'm right now when I'm evaluating this guy, I'm putting myself literally on the court. Yeah, I, I have definitely heard that, like that exact comment a lot of times. And, and I think there's a lot of value in that because, you know, the realities of how that would work on the court, where there's space for him to go, what he should or couldn't do, what he can get away with physically. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's. You need a to me. You need a blend. Like the front offices that that balance those perspectives, the coaching staffs that balance those perspectives, are the ones that seem to be the most you know successful. And 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 I don't think any of these guys are, you know, are nobody. They never touched a basketball before in their life. But you know, like uh, everybody talks about Lawrence Rank as the big example. He never played on his high school team, and he's been a very successful front office guy and a former coach for former coach from New Jersey, but a f- uh, front office guy for the Clippers. And they've been pretty darn good. And by the way, he he coached Kenyon Martin. So I, I, to say, like, uh, you can't learn from somebody that didn't play in high school is is kind of well, wild. Well, I think, Coach, to me, if coaching, especially mm-hmm. you learn how to coach, right? Yeah. If, you play, if you're coaching from a very early age and going through coaching ranks, mm-hmm. that's playing too. Yeah, I agree. You're putting your time that's- in. That's playing through. That's playing, and you seeing a game just from a different perspective. But that's playing. Now you analyzing everything just like a player analyzes, right? But not only that, you now have the not only analyze but also have to create a strategy, mm-hmm. right? So I don't look at that the same way, right? But certain guys that speak on the game, I wouldn't dare have them as a coach or a GM. You know, like a like a Stephen A. Yeah. I, or skip, they couldn't like they. You would never, you never consider them a GM. You never consider them a great coach. And why, right? So that's the difference. Why right? something people are just glorified fans. Yeah, I, I think that's a hundred percent right. And and there are some guys that, like a Zach Lowe or somebody for ESPN that talks about the game. I, I know a lot of front office people that talk about him uh, as as well as they regard their peers. And he didn't play at any level, so. It, there's exceptions to the rule on both sides. And I just, I thought it was funny timing from Kenny Martin. So I'm glad we, uh, we got to break that one down a little bit. No, but you know, that's been a topic for a um, long time. Yeah. Uh, it'll never go away. I think too, at this point, I think we lagging. Am I lagging? The, the last one I got for you here and oh, are we lagging a little bit. Oh. Yeah. You um, lagging on my end. At this point. I'm not sure. Okay. And everything I say. Sorry uh, if you're. It's delayed. Yeah. Uh, Well, we'll we'll cut it short here in a minute. Then, if we're if we're still um, if we're lagging behind a little bit, there's probably a lot of Twitter activity that's slowing us all down on the on the internet here today. Uh, The last thing we want to talk about is uh, just the roster, right? So they've got 17 guys as of the time of us recording this and uh by 5 p.m later today they've got to get it down to 15 people i think the three guys probably most likely on the chopping block here are anthony gill xavier cooks or patrick baldwin jr if i had to guess that's probably the three and i 
you know, to me, I would always keep the younger guy at this point just because he might develop into something. And I think you have enough veteran leadership. Otherwise, uh, just that's kind of my take on things. But um, Gill is, by all accounts, their best veteran leader. Cooks is a young guy. Well, not super young. He's mid-20s at this point, but he's shown some versatility and some upside and some of the things this front office seems to value. And then Baldwin Jr. is a former, you know, top 10 high school prospect that uh, is a, only a year away from going in the first, like, late first round of the NBA draft. And didn't really, sh- none of them showed us kind of anything in the preseason. So uh, to me, that that's probably where I would start. Ryan Rollins might be a, a name they kick the tires on. To me, he looked really good. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. So just contract wise, um, he's someone that might, um, you know, get some, some consideration, but I, I don't think he should or would. So to me, it really comes down to, to those three. Um, and it never makes no sense that in the chat cooks is 28. See, he's older than I thought. I thought he's 26. So that's, that's even tougher when you're a 28 year old rookie. Uh, you know, you're probably not going to get as much consideration. So to me, I would, I would let go of Gill and cooks, unfortunately. And I would try to convince Anthony Gill to be a member of the coaching staff in some way. I would do the same thing. Um, uh, to me, if I get, this is more like rolling the dice. Yeah. And if I'm rolling the dice, I want the my, my, the better odds. Yeah. Right. And when you break down the odds, it's not that many other than youth. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I would keep the younger guys, especially now. You say like we already got Taj Gibson, got veteran leadership. Mm-hmm. We have a amazing coaching staff, right? Which is that's also have some that also players with leadership that have, you know, got player development guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you do, like you said, you never really seen guys who are close to them, close to their thirties. That's rookies really yep. stick around. And, you know, they're, they're always just got a, a toe in usually, you know, those guys don't, they, it, the percentage of those guys stick around are very seldom. You last a year or two, maybe three right. tops, and then bounce back overseas somewhere, probably. Exactly. So there's no reason to just, no reason to roll the dice on those guys, those type of guys at all. Yep. So, yeah, I would stick with the young guy, you know, and then if I do need some more veteran leadership, make somebody, you know, just put them, you know, like you say, bring them up top. Yep. I, I think Gil is a guy that, I mean, he may not be willing to end his playing career, but if they told me he was in the front office somewhere on the bench in a couple of years, I'd be all for it. Cause everything you hear from the guy, like everybody loves him. He helps everybody with their game. That's not an inconsequential thing. I just, I don't need it on my active roster at the expense of a. Well, even if not with us, with someone. Right. Yeah. If not with us, with someone. Yeah. He's a guy that like you, like you said, has that. He's those special guys that you can tell has that coaching ability once the game is over with that demeanor, that type of part, you know, that you know, all the things that you can say, ah, we, we want to keep this guy in the circle yep. of the NBA. He looked pretty good in the polo shirt in the last preseason game too. So he's already got the look down. I think there's something <laughs> to be said for that. Uh, the last one here, is just sort of like a little bit off topic. Uh, the wizards announced today that they're going to be partnering with Robin hood financial. That'll be the special, the patch on their jersey okay. this year, and it'll also be their official brokerage. So, Chad, I don't know if you remember this at all. It's kind of like a thing for a little while early in the season, but that company FTX, the cryptocurrency that went under, right? So they had partnered with the Wizards for all these free merchandise giveaways, and then it turned out they were really shady and went under. I, I just, I know from having seen this stuff come up that uh, Robinhood Financial has had multiple issues of them being shady. In, and yeah, shady, right? Like there's no yeah. other way to put it. The SEC fined them $65 million mm-hmm. for, for lying to their consumers or their customers. Yeah. If I'm if I'm the Wizards, um, FINRA, another um, internal industry um, monitoring uh, you know, agency, fined them a bunch of money too. So it's like, I just did this shit with FTX that aged very poorly. Uh, I brought in Qatari businessmen as a part of my ownership group in the off season, which took a little bit of heat. And now I'm bringing in this team. Like, it's not just my jersey patch. It's the official brokerage of monumental sports. It just seems like a bad look. I mean, I'm sure they've done their due diligence. But just from an outsider perspective, I'm like, I, I feel a little dirty just kind of saying it out loud. So, I don't know. Just, well, I know Robert Hood had a 
that big issue with the GameStop thing. Yeah. yeah. Where he they was like, oh, no, we're stopping all the trade. You're not going to eat. Like, we're just freezing everything. Yeah. If you try to buy GameStop, we're not letting, no, letting you do that. So, yeah, that's that's shady. But at the same time, I mean, the work, the, everything's going digital. Money, yeah. banking is going digital. It's fintech, right? So you're not going to be able to avoid these companies. Not only that, these companies have money to pay for these big sponsorships mm-hmm. and money is green. Vastly. And lastly, you know, with Ted now being in the, the sports betting platform. I think that's a huge piece of this. Yeah, they may have some type of cross-pollination. Yeah, he's been on the front end of sort of the technological push for a lot of these things and right. Blizzard's gaming team and gaming teams and stuff. So it's it's not a surprise. It just felt a little weird. Uh, so right. e- so even though it it, it's, it seems like it's a, it could be a bad move, but even though it seems like it's bigger than that move. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. And honestly, probably all of these companies, if I wanted to do a little looking that they could have partnered with, have some shady past in some uh, way, shape, or form. Uh, so uh that's probably not not worth looking into. I don't know. Uh, all right. So the Wizards' first game, the home or the season opener, excuse me, is on Wednesday. That's the twenty fifth of this week against the Pacers, and then their home opener is Saturday, the twenty eighth against Memphis. Uh, then they play Boston on the thirtieth, which is Monday. Atlanta on the first, and Miami on the third. So Indy, Memphis, Boston, Atlanta, Miami are your first five games of the season. Uh, like one and four seems like pre- pretty <laughs> pretty possible here. Unfortunately, true, true. If if I'm a coach that's not on the chopping block, I need that. Reason why is early on with to me teams who get their ass kicked out the gate mm-hmm. learn a lot fast. Yeah, it's true. Right. You see what everybody's now, made of, right? Right. Now you're preparing for those first four four teams that beat you. Mm-hmm. Now you're preparing for the rest of the season. Um, you're basing your game plan of what you're preparing for off those losses and those type of teams. So you're preparing for the best teams. When you come out the gate and start winning right away, right, it could be a you know, false sense of security. And then you face the real team and you just drop down. I'd rather drop down quickly and then slowly build myself up Mm -hmm. and build myself up fast, then drop down. And then now everybody's scrambling and pointing fingers. Yep. That's a great call. And I I like 100% subscribe to that too, especially like when you have this off season of like everybody loves everybody and our chemistry is so great. Like, well, if you get punched in the mouth to start the year, like we're going to see how great the chemistry is and if everybody sticks together. So uh, you start off one and four, like we'll find out pretty quick who's, who's about it. Right. It reveal it reveals so much that sometimes it takes mid to mid season to reveal this right now reveals everything. Yeah. Right. The more things are revealed now, the more things can be fixed right away. The more adjustments that can be made right away. Yeah. I, I, I think now, in that type of situation, would it, could it be good for West? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Depends. But with a coach who who knows, okay, I'm solid. That's that's the perfect situation you want to be in, right? It it helps. It forces me to solve problems, and it re- it sticks everything out like a sore thumb, you know. And I'm now, oh, I got it. I see it all now. Mm. Yeah, you identified all players. the problems, and yeah. and not only coaches, players see it. Yeah, right. Your players adjust faster because now. It's put on them too. Mm-hmm. Or they don't adjust and then you know who you may need to move on from. Yeah. Yeah. And like if Jordan Poole comes out and he's gone in the first couple of weeks of the year and nobody else scores and they lose, like maybe that's a pretty big, you know, sign to him early on, like, oh shit, I have to get guys more involved or vice versa. He's going to make somebody speak up. Right. Yeah. Right. Like we're going to have to speak up. Hey, we can't win with you gunning like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you always hear about locker rooms where things get to a point, to a boiling point, then ball over. Yeah. Right. And then all truth come out mid season. And, you know, some fights happen. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And then somehow after all that happens, team chemistry either falls completely apart. Yeah. Or it comes so close together, like just tight knit. Mm-hmm. But you needed all of that out either way. I think that that moment can happen within five, six games. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, especially those tough five, five games, right? Like the, there's not an easy one out of that group. Maybe Indy is the easiest one, and, and mm-hmm. nobody's probably easy to beat the, you know, the beginning of the season. No. And Indy still got some dogs over there. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I, I like where they're going, but uh, – yeah. Well, we will see. Going to be interesting. And at least we'll have some actual games to talk about again, finally, which is nice. I was hoping that we would see the end of the roster here by the time we got off the air. I did see that Philly just waved Montrez Harrell. So uh, Wizards need a center. Maybe they can bring Trez back and and he and all these guys can fight in the locker room and shit again. And it could be another. uh, I don't know, man. Trez is a. I don't know. You know what? If Trez can be effective, it wouldn't be bad. I mean, you need something. I don't know if he's the option. You know, and I don't know if he's an option also with the baggage he, that comes along with him sometimes, you know. you know, just Especially like, the baggage he had here. I don't think he left on very good terms, so it would right. not be a good fit. But yeah. someone of his ilk, a veteran guy like that, is going to get cut today. And I don't know. I The Wizards still need a big. I would be looking for a big no matter what here. Right. Yeah, we need a big. And we need the best, uh, best big out there we can find that's, that's free. Yep, I'll, I'm not picky at this point. We're going to have to pray for one or something, man. Are you still in playing shape, Jihadi? Can we get you out there at least for 10 minutes a night? Um, As long as I get to walk up and down the floor. <laughs> That's the tough part, right? A half court's a little easier these days. Yeah, half court, three on three, half court. I'm all, I'm good all day half court. You. you know, with, with, the, with the Wizards offense right now, it may take me a little bit to get up and down to, you know, but probably. 25% of the season, I'm ready to go. I love that. I think uh, in a couple of years, if we can at least draft one of your sons to play the front court for us, that would be good. And maybe we uh, can pair them with Elijah Arenas. I saw he scored 50 points in a game the other night. Looked pretty yeah, good. So, that's, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe we can uh, we can uh, have the second generation of some Wizards uh, come in uh, to D.C. here. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, my son actually plays against him in EYBL, and then they also played together with, at USA Basketball. So, you yeah, know. that's cool. It'd be good to see see that, you know, just all the like a lot, you know, Elijah coming back. Then you get uh, Etan's son who just signed the Villanova. Oh, you did know? he? I didn't know he'd committed. Yeah, he, just, he just signed the Villanova. Yeah, right? for anyone looking for some local high school basketball, go see Malcolm Thomas at DeMatha. Uh, he is a shot blocking machine. So, oh, uh, his daddy is second coming of his father. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Second coming of his father for real. Yeah, that would be cool to see. I, yeah. I'm all about it. Uh, and one last question in the chat for you, Jody. Who is the best kid that you have seen in EYBL? Ooh. That's a lot of good playing kids. Mm. Um, a boozer or a cooper? I don't, don't, don't want to say all the rest of them, but, man, he's Cooper Flag is, is nobody topping Cooper Flag. Even – Cooper Flag is killing is is surpassing Boozer. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's just another is different different type of kid. Uh, have you seen AJ Debanza at all in person? Um, yeah, yeah, I have. He's very the other big. big name, I think, from yeah. from the prospects. So my, my son was just talking about him the other day. Yeah. Uh, their team plays at Prolific Prep in Napa, California, and I go out that mm-hmm. way a good amount for work. So I was like, "Ooh, okay, you know." Like maybe I can pop in and see a game, but their schedule is so national. They play like two games all season. In right that on, area. Right. So yeah. I, it's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, all right, partner. Any uh, amazing talent out there. Oh yeah. You can't go wrong with a lot of these kids. It's pretty great. So uh wizard should be in good shape to be, uh to be in the next couple of lotteries. I think we'll get somebody good no matter what here. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we have to, we, we will. We have the right people in place. Bingo. I think this is the most people would agree with that statement of any time in the last 20 years, probably. So uh, I'm, that's why I'm trusting right now. This, yeah. I feel like this is the best chance. And for it's like smart decisions, mm-hmm. not getting rid of like top players that the Wizards ever had, you know, and 
a lot of times I felt like it was because we were going for right now. Yeah. Right. You sacrificed the future for the now. And we got rid of so many good players because we would try to get right now. And with this crew, I feel like they're understanding we're going to sacrifice right now to get long term. Mm -hmm. Going for the long dollar instead of the short dollar. Yep. Smart. I'm all Mm -hmm. for it. Uh, Any last thoughts here, partner, before we get out of here? Nah, man. You know me. Enjoy it all the time. I love it. All right, everybody. Uh, Again, that final roster cut has not been made. Uh, Chahadi's got to run to practice here in a minute. If they do make some kind of move in the next hour or so, I'll pop back on for a couple minutes and we'll tack something on to the to the uh, audio version of the podcast here just to, to knock it out for you. Uh, as always, this is Believe in Wizards. Rate, review, subscribe. Hit that little subscribe button for us on the YouTube. That helps us a lot. A like button, also cool. Hate begging for this shit, but appreciate when you guys do it. And uh, we're presented by betonline.ag, and we will catch you all next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube